Welcome to The Sword on the Trial, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshore. And I'm Tom Askell. And this is a special edition of The Sword on the Trial. of The Sword on the Trial. We're glad to have you with us. And we're delighted to have our dear brother, Vody Bauckham, with us, author of Fault Lines, The Social Justice Movement, and Evangelicalism's Looming Catastrophe. Uh, before we get into our discussion today, you should know that we're having a conference down here January right. in Southwest Florida called Militant and Triumphant. Vody's right. going to be with us. You'll be preaching. I'll be preaching. James Coast will be preaching. Conrad and Bayway will be preaching. And our Travis dear Allen. brother Travis Allen will be preaching. You can register at founders.org. Yeah, let me also say this has not been announced until this very moment that uh, Bodie's going to be with us September the 12th and 13th as well, which is just right around the corner. So here in Cape Coral, we'll be preaching our church on the 12th, and we'll be having an evening with him on the uh, 13th, doing something for pastors at noon on that day. So you want to check your calendar, get down here. So Vody, brother, it's good to see you all the way from Lusaka. Uh, tell us, first of all, how's your health? Um, man, health is great. I'm, I'm, I'm doing fine. Uh, just getting stronger, you know, uh, training like a madman. Uh, <laughs> just trying to stay healthy, trying to take care of uh all of this work that they did. Yeah, 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 man. You had a long time away, so I'm sure you're playing catch-up still at African Christian University, and I know y'all have been yeah. hit with COVID again, and so you've had to scale back some things, and um, we're grateful that you're there, grateful that you uh, are here with us at Founders too, part of IOPT, one of the founding faculty members. We, we open our classes up in just a few weeks here, so if you want more information on that, you can go on instituteofpublictheology.org and get information there. But, well, but we know what we need to talk about. We're talking to you today <laughs> because we heard a rumor that somebody's upset with something you wrote and said, and we're not sure, but it seems like somebody said something somewhere. Yes, Joe McDermott yeah. said something. He said something. And look, we take plagiarism very seriously. We've got the Ed Litton thing going on. We've we've hit that. Um, we don't take nitpicking as seriously. Or dishonesty. We don't take dishonesty as seriously. But, um, Vody, you're such a kind, faithful brother. You want to be willing to come on here and let's let's talk about what Joel has said. McDermott uh, wrote this piece, and uh, he's charged you with plagiarism and some other kind of things that are going on. So we thought, why don't we just get down into the nitty-gritty and talk about these things. So let me tee it up for us. Yeah, he began by pointing to a block quote uh, in your book. At least it's indented off. And so you've got this indentation, and then in there you begin to list off some items about racism being uh, normal and other tenets of critical race theory. And uh, he is claiming that some of the things you say in there are not words from Richard Delgado. Um, so what do you say to that first charge about, hey, here's, here's this place where you're saying things about CRT kind of in the wake of signaling Richard Delgado, but these aren't really Richard Delgado's words. What would you say to that, Bodie? Yeah, well, first of all, I'd say you, you, you really hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, block quote, but actually these things are indented off. Um, the, the format is an issue there, and it's not a block quote. Right. It's not a direct quote. Even from the first words, you know, I'm giving an outline. I'm using um, Delgado's outline as an outline that I'm giving to the reader. And the first thing is that's part of the, the front matter of the book. The idea was, hey, you know, when people uh, get into the book, 
um, we immediately start off with some assumption, uh, with some assumptions. So the editor said, what if we put something, you know, before that, or what if we extended the introduction? And I had the bright idea of, of doing this, this thought line, um, you know, getting fancy with the spices. Um, and so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to give people a view from 35,000 feet, a view of what I'm going to be talking about, a view of the arguments that I'm going to be making, and a view of the, the ideologies that I'm going to be dealing with. Um, that section of it, it is indented, it is blocked off, uh, but it's not a block quote. Uh, that's obvious from the first words that it's not a block quote because I'm giving a heading that's not Delgado's heading. I'm using Delgado's order and organization and structure, but I'm not directly quoting Delgado. Another thing that sort of indicates that it's not a block quote is that, you know, in the middle of, I think, that, that second paragraph, uh, there's a footnote in the middle of the second paragraph which is something that you wouldn't do right in a in a block quote right um so you know on the one hand there are some structural and formatting issues there um that that are unfortunate and 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 that are unclear you know one um, thing too Vody, I, I it's been a long time since i've gone back and read Turabian, but i had to live in it for a long time as well but i don't even think this is conformable to um Arabian style for block quotes because you you have indentations at certain points for your headings, which I don't think Arabian does in block quotes. I think every paragraph starts uh, non-indented. But it, it, it's, again, if we want to play nitpick, I'll nitpick. Yeah, you know, but yeah. that's not even the point. Yeah, but yeah, but it, it was not. It was not meant. And I think you're just making the point that I'm making. It was not meant right to be presented that way, to be understood that way. Or to be read that way. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I, w- I wish that we that I had made other choices. Because again, I don't want to throw my editors or anybody else under the bus. This is me. Sure. I did that. I presented it that way. I was, you know, trying to uh, trying to really give a big picture and separate those ideas off. But I, I, it was not intended to be understood as a direct quote. Um, it's you know I didn't use quotation marks. I have block quotes in sure. the body of the book. And again, this is front matter. This is not my argument. This is, you know, I want to introduce some ideas. I want to make some connections for you. I want to explain some things to you, um, you know, b- before we, you know, sort of get into this. Mm-hmm. So that was the that was the first issue there. What's interesting, though, is, you know, just like you said, Tom, if, if you read this, um, it's pretty obvious that this is not direct quotation. Exactly. Um, you know, I mean, it's just, it's pretty obvious that this is not direct quotation. Right. Um, yeah. I, you know, especially with there being footnotes in the middle yeah. of it's, what's blocked off. It's a very know? poor block quote. <laughs> well, yeah, you also, you also have this problem of um, in McDermott when he, he's, He's quoted you here. He's kind of pasted part of your book and he's highlighted certain sections and he's 
saying that, well, you're misrepresenting him here. I mean, that's the general nature of what he's trying to say. He actually has a section where he says, to be redundantly clear, these red sections are not in Richard Delgado's words. Nowhere in the book, Vody cites, do these words appear. Now, one of the red sections that McDermott has highlighted of your words is where you say racism is normal. And you're saying racism is normal. You go on to say the usual way society does business, the common everyday experience of most people of color in this country. Well, I've read Delgado. And when I heard that, I said, uh, you know, this actually is sounding a lot like Delgado. I don't think that Vody is misrepresenting what Delgado was, how he was using it as a framework. And so I went back to look at uh, Delgado, you actually footnote the end of the sentence I just read. You footnote uh, this very page in Delgado, and Delgado is explaining the tenets of critical race theory. And he says, first, that racism is ordinary. Okay, so in yours, you say racism is normal. He says racism is ordinary. And you have McDermott trying to hold that up, highlighting your word normal in red and saying, well, Delgado's never said that. Okay, well, no, he said racism is ordinary. And then he goes on, Delgado, to say the usual way society does business, the common everyday experience in most people of color in this country. I'm saying Vody is not misrepresenting what Delgado well, he, actually wrote. He uses wrote. the word normal elsewhere. Um, when he's talking about this same point as well. Uh, but again, the idea here is that I, I'm not quoting Delgado directly. I'm using Delgado's framework. Um, there are a number of people who give, you know, various versions of this, you know, same framework. And whether you're talking about ordinary or normal, um, you know, you'll see that in various frameworks. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's, not, it's not a direct quote of Delgado. That's true. Let's talk a little bit about another charge of McDermott. So McDermott has a section in his piece where he's claiming that you um, copied from James Lindsay. And so in that section, uh, we talk about storytelling. And as I went back and looked at Delgado, there's massive portions of the topic of storytelling. So it didn't strike me as you taking what Lindsay said. Uh, somebody would have to read McDermott's piece to, to look at that. But what do you have to say about that particular charge there, Bodie? Um, yeah. I also, in the next section, um, I quote you know, Terry Yasso from another very popular piece on this. Um, and again, this was not a direct quote of Delgado. This was giving people a picture of the basic tenets of critical race theory, a view from 35,000 feet. Um, it, Delgado is being used there really, I mean, it's his, his structure that he gives to this. And, you know, much of the essence of what he says about this structure that he gives to this. But my goal here was not to give direct quotes to Delgado or to even argue that Delgado is, you know, the definitive person on critical race theory. Um, I mean, his book is seminal, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I did, you know, want to acknowledge that. But just like I said before, I'm, I, this is not a direct quote of Delgado. But here's what's also interesting about that. 
Um, I quote Lindsay several times, not only in the book, but also in this, you know, sort of thought line. Why is it that, I mean, why am I going to cite Lindsay and then not cite Lindsay in other places? I have no qualms um, about the fact that uh, I worked with uh, Lindsay. I have no qualms about the fact that, you know, James and I uh, became friends. James and I have had many discussions about these issues. What, what, what am I hiding from? I, I'm, I'm, I mean, why am I hiding? That's number one. The other issue is that if you read the literature, I mean, these things are right. ubiquitous in the literature. And my goal was to communicate these main tenets, to get people to understand these four main tenets. So, you know, I don't, and I, you know, I agree with Lindsay. I don't see it. Yeah. James Lindsay said this, Vody allegedly plagiarized me and I'm not seeing it. They're just trying to discredit people who are upsetting their racket. It looks desperate. And I think that's a very good analysis of this. I mean, what you said, you, you, and when they try to put your words next to Lindsay's, it's not word for word. Are you saying the same thing? Absolutely. Well, you're reading the same literature. Yeah. And it is everywhere in yeah. the literature. Yep. So people have to go and you can go read McDermott's piece if you want to see the exact words. I'm not even going to take time to read it because I agree with bo what both you men have said about it. The, the, other, the other irony there, of course, is that on the one hand, I'm guilty of not quoting directly in a, a box quote or a block quote, right? Mm. And a block quote says, these are not my words. But then on the other hand, I'm guilty of plagiarism, which means that you're saying these are my words, mm -hmm. right? So I, I, I don't know what to do with that. I mean, I, I acknowledge the fact that structurally, from a format perspective, um, you know, this was a, this was a bad choice. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, this wasn't as clear as it could have or should have been. And that, I, I own that. That's, that's, um, that's miles away from plagiarism. So that's yeah. you know, trying to charge you with plagiarism on that slim evidence is uh, skating on very thin ice. On a, on a phrase, on a, yeah. on a, yeah, that's, yeah. And, and that's, let me just say this too. I haven't, I haven't been addressing, um, you know, criticisms, arguments, you know, all this kind of stuff. I haven't been doing that. One of the reasons that I, I wanted to agree to talk about this now is because people are trying to use this as a wedge and sort of leverage it, specifically with the stuff that's going on in the Southern Baptist Convention. Right. right. Plagiarism is a big deal right now. Um, and so, you know, there's this kind of, well, hey, Vody's guilty of it. Um, and, you know, a mutual friend of ours, uh, I talked to yesterday, he was getting ready to get on the phone with somebody who was pressuring him to call for my resignation <laughs> because he had been calling for Ed Litton's resignation. Yeah. Yeah. Over a phrase that's similar. Yeah. There's a difference between reading another person's sermon at script, telling his illustrations that happened in his boyhood as if it happened in your boyhood 
and indenting words that shouldn't have been indented. <laughs> and let's get down to the nitty gritty. Well, what McDermott is charging you with is misrepresenting Delgado. That's really what yeah. it's about. That's what he's trying to claim. And I've already read uh, a portion to show in the first tenet of critical race theory that you identify. You call it, I believe, normal. And Delgado calls it ordinary. And then you both use very similar terminology to describe what that ordinary or normal um, tenant is. So there is no misrepresentation. And, and probably uh, the most important, as I see it, the most significant thing to address is McDermott claims that you're basically making a false implication of interest convergence. And that is that white people are therefore incapable of righteous action. Uh, he talks a little bit about you, word, you using the word righteous and attributing it to Delgado. You can address that if you'd like to. But the, the more yeah. uh, important thing in my mind is... Is it true that interest convergence, uh, the way that Delgado and other as critical theorists in general define it, uh, does it then result in white people being incapable of righteous action? Sounds like McDermott says, no, you're wrong about this. Um, I don't think you're wrong about this and would love for you to speak to it. Yeah, th there's two issues here. You know, one issue is um, the, the, the substance and whether or not it's right to make that statement about the about the substance about what interest convergence means, um, what interest convergence implies. There's a second issue, and the second issue is, you know, the attribution of that statement to Delgado. And you know, let me just say that that is not Delgado's statement. And what's interesting about that is, you know, you know, I've been talking about this a ton. Right, um, I've been talking about this all over the place, and <laughs> unfortunately, what I have done is I have read that statement the way it is in the book, without making a clear distinction between where that footnote is mm -hmm. and where I'm making a clarification. Um, and I've done that. I, I don't know how many times I've done that, but I've done that. Mm -hmm. Um, and man, I, I regret doing that because number one, as you see in the book, I put the footnote there and then I give an explanation, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and it, I mean, it's clear that that's what I'm doing. Let's you know, set aside the fact that it's in the block. We've already dealt with that. It would have been much clearer if it wasn't in the block. Um, and not only does that lack of clarity, you know, show up in terms of, you know, what people are reading, but it's also showed up in terms of me reading that same thing. I've right. read that. I've read that as though that was, though that, and it wasn't. That's my comment. Mm -hmm. on interest convergence and and so Vody, and when I, you did, I, that's just yeah, that's right. a mistake I and mean, when you read it as if that yes. was that's just a mistake yes okay let, let me just yes. pause here i want you to finish your thought but we got a teaching moment here okay there's a difference between what we just heard from you saying this was wrong it was a mistake i misread this as my word as, as delgado's words they were my words there's a difference between that owning it and saying well you know if anybody was offended by what i did i'm sorry 
I just want to apologize to anybody that might have been offended by what I did. Mm. All right. Mm. Well, can we just no, go to school I do on here. I apologize to Richard Delgado. I, I do. Yeah. And, and and he's been gracious yeah. in his response to this. Um, and I, I really appreciate that. I don't I don't know him. Yeah. Um, but I, I really appreciate how gracious he's been um in this. And I believe even saying that, you know, I must have been mistaken or I must have not, you know, whatever. Um and 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 I was. And ironically, it goes back to the same thing. So here it is. I'm like, you know, I want to give people, and I think it's helpful yeah. when you give people this view from 35,000 feet, Absolutely. you know, when you talk about these ideas and, you know, express these ideas, you know, one of the things and we've talked about this before, one of the things that I do often when I speak about it is I'll take that first point and I'll say, because again, this is going to go to what we're talking about with using the word righteous. Um, because I stand by that. I, I stand by my assessment um, of the fact that interest convergence theory implies that, that white people are incapable of righteous action when it comes to issues of race and racism. And I, I'm, I'm going to come back to this. But what I've often done is I'll, I'll give that first point. And that first point is, you know, that, that racism is normal, you know, so on and so forth. And I'll say this this is akin to original sin. Mm -hmm. um, and, and again, I'm talking about the way that it's used. I'm not saying that Delgado says that this is original sin, right? right. I'm saying that this first tenet, as it's deployed in praxis, because um, there's theory and then there's praxis with, with, with critical race theory, as it's deployed in praxis, um, you, you get this idea of original sin. Um, for example, Jim Wallace in his book, America's Original Sin, um, Abram X. Kendi and his proposed amendment to the, the U.S. Constitution, uh, the anti-racist amendment to the U.S. Constitution. He talks about um, because the original sin of racism, right? Now, these guys are doing critical race theory. And I know there are a lot of people who don't like it when I say that, because what people want to do is they want to say, no, 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 critical race theory only exists within law schools yeah. within yeah. particular frameworks, it, 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 it's, it's never gotten outside, right? And nobody else is doing critical race theory except for, you know, um, you know Delgado, Delgado and Crenshaw and, you know, a few other people. That's the only people who are doing critical race theory. So when I talk about the fact that D'Angelo and Kendi are, you know, the two principal exponents of critical race theory today, what I'm arguing is that based on these principles. And the first one, you know, that idea that racism is normal. And I argue that that's akin to the idea of original sin. And they use that. And then the second one, the idea of interest convergence, that, that, white, people, that white people only undo um, racism when it benefits them. That is what I mean when I say the implication is that white people are incapable of righteous actions in the area of race and racism. And I still argue that that is consistent with the tenets of critical race theory. And it is consistent with the praxis, with the way that people are working out critical race theory. Um, and so again, that's the second issue there. The first issue, Again, no, those are not Delgado's words. And I, I, I make that clearer, unfortunately, in the book, 
than I have in using my notes from that. Um, but at, this, at the same time, I am arguing, and I mean to argue, that the second premise of critical race theory implies that white people are incapable of righteous actions in the area of race and racism. One point that needs to be highlighted here as we go on is that this is just the warp and woof of theological argumentation. You look at positions, you critique those positions, you try to make your case. And so the fact that Delgado never says white people are incapable of any righteousness or do anything right doesn't mean that there are no implications to the position he has outlined. And it's a, it's a really useful, necessary way of argument, arguing. This is showing this is what you believe. Therefore, uh, this is the implication. What do you do with the implication? And that's how the argument is further down the, ro- the road. Yeah, and there's also, this is, a, this is a fine point, but there are theological discussions where you have where we could say if you hold A, then uh, it seems you're going to have to hold B. But another person might have a caveat that would stop them mm-hmm. from holding that particular implication. But I don't think that's exactly what's going on here, honestly. There's also, no, you have stated this particular statement, right, interest convergence. This is what you call interest convergence. And that very definition of the thing you say, this is an implication that's undeniable. It's not, I don't see a caveat, and maybe somebody could show me one, and I'll I'll say this, and then, Vody, maybe you could speak to this. This is why it seems perfectly uh, accurate to me for you to say that interest convergence implies that it's um, that white people are incapable of righteous action because Delgado himself in the glossary of his book, uh, Introduction to Critical Race Theory, I believe is what it's called, uh, the online PDF version, page 149, he has interest convergence, glossary term, then this is a quote, thesis pioneered by Derrick Bell that the majority group tolerates advances for racial justice only when it suits its interest to do so. Now, if white people are the majority group, and they are, and they will only tolerate advances of racial justice, white people only <laughs> tolerate advances of racial justice when it suits them, that is unrighteous. That, yes, that means only. It, they are <clears throat> incapable of righteous action. Connect the dots for us, Vody. Yeah, and again, Jared, you and I have talked about this, and when you're dealing with critical race theory, when you're dealing with the, the literature, and when I say the literature, what I mean is the academic literature, right? This this sort of history of how it's come to be. And also the contemporary literature, you see this playing out. Um, you know, for example, um, I, I've argued that D'Angelo is dealing with this in white fragility. You know, what she's talking about in white fragility is this idea of interest convergence. When she talks about, for example, white complicity um, and white equilibrium, and then the idea of white fragility, the idea that that white people won't dismantle whiteness um, and that they'll fight to hold on to white privilege and white supremacy and so on and so forth. You know, when this really struck me, um, there are a number of things that struck me about the religious nature of this ideology, especially the way that it's being used today. But D'Angelo uses the word righteous more than half a dozen times in white fragility. This is, it's clear that we're talking about this in religious terms, that we're taking these principles uh, 
we're taking these major tenets um, of critical race theory, and then we're applying those tenets in, in terms of its praxis. Um, and again, that's just one example of many of the way that this is used. And if, if people but, if people want to critique you on this, they can go to chapter four and engage you there where you yeah. deal with this at length. You know? I write a whole chapter on the religious nature of, really I'm talking about critical social justice more broadly, um, but I, I, I write a whole chapter on the religious nature really of anti-racism mm. and, and these things, which are advancing the core tenets and principles of critical race theory. Um, that, I mean, there is no doubt. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's, that's why I make that statement. That's, what I, that's why I make that clarifying statement. Um, I'm signaling to the reader um, that this is why this tenet is important. I think that's such an important point that we need to put this book on discount. Let's do it. 50% discount. 50% discount. How many copies? Uh, however many you want to order, 50% discount between now and a, a week from now. So a week from today, when this, whenever you hear this, 50% discount. But we're going to need a special code. Special code. Special code that you're going to have to enter whenever you order this book. So uh, McDermott. McDermott. McDermott it is. Put McDermott in the special code, 50% off. So what he has attempted to discount and could not do, we're going to discount for you so you can have the real deal. You can actually have the book. But more than that, let's give away some copies. Okay. All right. I want to give away 10 copies of this book uh, because these accusations that are so flimsy and some of them godless have been made against our brother. Uh, we want to spread his words as far as we can. So if you'll share this episode of the sword and the trial and get people to watch this, listen to this and then tag founders in it. So when you share it on social media, tag founders in it, we're going to have a drawing. We'll give away 10 of these books. It won't cost you anything. We'll absorb all the costs and shipping and get them to you. So we want people to read this book. We want people to hear Vody. And before we go again, it's a teachable moment. Why have so many people jumped on this and said, oh, look, it's a morally equivalent situation to what Ed Litton did when he was reading off of scripts uh, for sermons that he claimed to be his own that were not his own. This is a morally equivalent thing. Why have people done that? You, we need to ask the question, yeah. what's motivating people? To yeah. do this. And I want to add, man, uh, Vody, I praise God for you. I thank you, brother, for being an example to many. When you do good work, uh, there are going to be, there are going to be mistakes. There are going to be people that slander. There's going to be a mixed bag sometimes. So praise the Lord for coming on here and say, look, all right, the little, the indent, you know, hey, could have edited, could have typeset that better. And hey, no, straight up, I didn't lift from Lindsay. Just false. I'm not mm -hmm. going to sit here and do that. Righteous. Sorry, I attributed that word to Delgado. Uh, but hey, by implication, I mean what I said. I do. That is a wonderful example to so many people. And, and guys, you got to learn to to do the work. Absolutely. Don't back down. Own rightly own what you can. Just how Vody has demonstrated for us. And don't own things that are not legitimate. You've really demonstrated that well, brother. Absolutely. It's it's underscored yeah, and, the grace of God and the gospel in your life. And let me just say though that you know the reason that this is important to me is because I do believe that this is a sinister ideology Absolutely. that is confronting the bride of Christ. And, you know, that's more important to me 
than you know saving face that's what i mean i'm grateful that that this was brought to my attention um i didn't i didn't even realize that i had you know basically when i when i put it in my notes and you know began to, to speak about it that i i didn't realize that i had done that mm-hmm. that i had taken this formatting issue you know and and uh and and taken that that statement that i absolutely mean and that it's absolutely meant to clarify but just sort of read it together um and in a way that you know sort of attributed it you know in a way that it shouldn't have been attributed so i listen my 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 goal is truth amen um you know my my goal is the gospel um i hope i never think so much of myself um that i can't acknowledge um if if i make a mistake you know um but at the same time um to to turn this into um what it's been turned into is incredibly unfortunate and and disheartening yeah um and I, I, you know, I just hope that you know, as this goes forward, that um, that the Lord is is His truth is vindicated. Amen. Um, that I don't serve as a stumbling block, um, and and that people will recognize um, what's happened here, um, and that it doesn't principally change Amen. the argument. It doesn't principally change. Um, what I'm doing doesn't principally change what I'm teaching. Um, it doesn't principally change what I'm trying to achieve. Yeah, Bodie, that's well said, and it is unfortunate, and that's true, I think, for most people. Uh, for some other people, it's wicked. They are wickedly uh, operating outside the boundaries of scriptures. And those who are Christians, especially those who are Christian leaders, ought to be ashamed of themselves for doing so. Proverbs eighteen seventeen says, the one who states his case first seems right till another comes forward and questions him. And anybody who decides a matter before he hears it is a fool. And may God help us all to learn lessons from this and to humbly submit ourselves to his word and do the best we can when we make mistakes own them where we sin we repent we get up we start over but we are operating as truth brokers we're not operating as platform builders or those who are trying to save face mm. amen brother Vody, thanks amen. so much for being with us today it's been wonderful and yeah. thank you all for listening Love to you, the brother. sword in the trial today thank you hey i appreciate you guys man see you man